Welcome to the second Joe Rogue Sports Podcast. This one is going to be talking about a lot of NBA news. There's been a lot of big news recently here that's been pretty crazy. There's a lot of trade rumors flying, a lot of actual trades that went down, and a lot of uh, just draft rumors in general. I'll get into that more, but I just want to update everyone knowing that uh, I'll be having a better mic coming in soon. And uh, we also got a Twitter, at Joe Rogue Sports. We got a Facebook, or fan page, Joe Rogue Sports. And we also have an email where you can hit me up. It's at JoeRogueSports at gmail.com. So JoeRogueSports at gmail.com. You can email me questions, topics to talk about, and it will show up on the next pod possibly. So back to this, what's going to be pretty much an NBA podcast. Maybe we'll hit on a few other things, but mainly it's going to be NBA. I'm going to be talking about a few points, which is the Paul George situation with the Pacers, the trade rumors flying around with uh, – him, Jimmy Butler, and Chris Porzingis. The Cavaliers situation with their GM. The Kyle Lowry and Paul Gasol news recently. The D'Angelo Russell trade just happened a bit. And then I'm going to do a, a mock lottery draft that I got my, my mock lottery. And we'll get into it. I mean, this part of the offseason is one of my favorites. I love the offseason in general. I would rather be a GM for the offseason and during the season because I love making these moves. I love talking trade rumors. I love look scouting and looking at potential drafts. It's one of my favorite times. I like the NBA because it's a lot simpler than the NFL. The NFL draft and all that, There's you got to really look into it a lot. Where the NBA, it's pretty pretty simple, pretty dumbed down. I mean, there's a lot more prospects, but it's a lot easier to figure out what your teams need. And you, but uh, we'll get right into it. So for the uh, first topic, it's Paul George and how he pretty much screwed over the Pacers. So, Paul George came out and said that he's not going to resign with the Pacers in 2018. He pretty much said, not doing it. Uh, and he's kind of leaning towards joining the Los Angeles Lakers. So, number one, right there you heard your uh, the trade value for the Pacers. They obviously have to trade him now. I mean, like, I wouldn't want him for a rental, especially for a team that's not contending. And it's kind of shitty because earlier in the week he talked about how he – wants them to make moves to improve the team so he can win this year. So pretty much he's saying is, throw away your future for me so we can win. But by the way, I'm going to leave. And it's, I mean, it's just not a cool thing to do. Not a big fan of it at all. I think he could have handled the situation a little better. Especially because afterwards he says that he's uh, not going to be a rent, or he's going to be a rent no matter where he goes. So... He already says, I'm not re-signing with the team. So the Pacers are like, okay, there goes his trade value. It's already tanked. Uh, let's look to some teams. Let's talk to the Cavaliers here. Let's talk to some contenders. And maybe we can still get a good deal for him. And then he says, uh, he sends out his camps and stuff to every team. Yeah, we're going to be a rental no matter what. So I don't care if we're winning or what. I'm not re-signing with you guys no matter what. Boom. Trade value tanked even more. Like, he... He completely killed the Pacers and any chance they had to get good value for him. All the teams trading with the Pacers are now in the driver's seat. They can kind of pick their own way and go, okay, uh, we like if the Pacers want a lottery pick, those teams can go, nah, I mean, it's a one-year deal. We're not going to put a lottery pick for it. The Lakers, who are the supposed favorite, they don't have to trade from this year because they can just sit back and wait a year to sign them, which... It really hurts because, I mean, the Pacers could maybe pull off a deal with the Lakers before this based on, we'll talk about later with some possible deals, but now it's just like the Lakers know he's coming to us in 2018, so we're set. And I just thought it was kind of a shitty thing for him to do to uh, the Pacers organization and what they've done for him. I mean, last year they went out and got Jeff T and Thaddeus Young and kind of made up, I mean, they're not great players, but... They're not bad, and they kind of tried making a push, and the best they could do was get to a seventh seed. And that's not necessarily on the organization. That's I mean, like, I, obviously they messed up when they got rid of Vogel. I think he was a solid coach. But they've made moves to try to keep him contending. And the team was contending for, I mean, they were one of the better teams in the East when they had the Stevenson, Hibbert, Hill, George Combo with West and all that, and Things change, and I mean, like, he's I just kind of seem like a spoiled brat right now to me the way he handled the situation. And I mean, things can change, and maybe he'll find his way in the Lakers, but it kind of seems like he wants the media attention than uh, the actual to become a franchise player. 
but we'll see. I mean, things could change, but I just I feel bad for the Pacers because he really kind of he kind of hurt them with his trade value, and he kind of screwed over a team that's been stuck by him for how long, and has done everything for him and made him their franchise star, and just it, it sucks. I mean, it's it goes up there for one of like in my opinion one of the worst ways a star can handle situation when he wants to leave. He could have handled it way better. Could have done way more to make sure the Pacers got something in return. And instead, he didn't. He did everything that you don't want a player to do if you're trying to trade him. So, I mean, here's the value, and that's about it. Uh, he he really put them in a tough spot. And I mean, like they don't know what to do now, but they they want him, the Pacers did say they want to move fast. So we'll see how fast they move and where they go with that. Now the next part here, the next little segment, it's gonna it's gonna involve Paul George and it's also gonna involve Jimmy Butler and Chris Paps Porzingis. Those three names have been flying around in trade rumors in the past like two days, especially Porzingis was just recently today. And I'll kind of go into each one and the trade rumors of where they're going, where they are on the trade block, what teams are kind of interested in them, and why they're on the block, I guess. With the Paul George, it's obvious he's on the block because of what he said. The Pacers need to move him. They need to get something in return for him. And the main teams that are looking to go for him are the Clippers, Wizards, Rockets, Cavs, and Lakers. Uh, there's some other teams I'll bring up that have been rumored to show interest and I think would be good fits. But uh, the we'll go through the ones that he's been kind of rumored to go to. And like Number one, I thought the Clippers were kind of one of the first teams I thought about being brought up is the clip play because Paul George is talking about going to LA. So why wouldn't the Clippers, when they needed a small forward for like a wing player for how long, why wouldn't they consider a deal to get him? If and with the idea that they can resign him because it's LA and they got a contending team. I mean, they need to resign Chris Paul and Blake Griffin for him to want to stay there. But I mean, I think it's worth a risk, and I think you could resign those two if you can get a deal off. I mean, will there be like Crawford and? You have to trade Rivers. I mean, Doc would. I feel like you almost have to if you're going to do that. But you get a good deal for him, and you take that risk. I think it's worth it in the long run because if he if he does stay, uh, Paul Griffin, DeAndre, PG Core plus Redick if you sign him, or if you don't even you don't maybe have have to. But I think it's a good core, and I think it would contend. I mean, I don't think they're going to necessarily win the West, but the Clippers got off to a hot start this year. Maybe at another piece, they could continue that hot start and actually be a solid team instead of kind of floundering like they have the past year or so, year and a half. The second team, the Wizards, that one I think is going to be tough. They're kind of cash-strapped right now as is, and that's without signing an auto porter. So, I don't know, they'd have to almost have a give a Gortat, give a Morris, and they'd be kind of hurting the post positions then. So I can see why they have interest if you want to pay pair Beal and Wall with another star and contend in the East and kind of use the momentum they got this year to go forward. That's not a bad idea, but I don't think Paul George would consider re-signing with them the long run. It's Washington is by no means like a high market city for compared to the L.A. and the New Yorks. I mean, it's not a small small market by any means, but. It definitely isn't a priority market to go to, and I think Paul George would still consider going to LA and he wouldn't resign with him. Our team was the Rockets, and I think uh, anytime you have a trade scenario, I think the Rockets are always a dark horse. Daryl Morey there, he always has moves and ideas that are outside the box that you don't really think about. I mean, the rumor is he could kind of do a trade center around Eric Gordon and Clint Capella, and uh, if I'm the Rockets, I try to do the trade without Clint Capella. I think he's kind of integral to that team. They kind of need him to defend the post because there's a lot of players on the team that don't defend very well. And he does a good job inside there. Uh, if, if they can find a way to, I would say, like, an, an Ariza Gordon two first-round picks deal for a rental, that might be a little bit, but I think you could really make the – I mean, they were arguably the third-best team for most of the year last year if you count the three teams in the West as the best three. And you had another Paul George. I mean, a Harden-George combo could go off any night. And if you have that combo and they can go off any night, I mean, they, maybe they could take two games from the Warriors 
and who knows, they could come out 2-2 in a series, and maybe they, you never know from there. So I, I think you maybe take that risk, and you see where it goes. Because in reality, they, they were probably the third-best team last year for most of the year, if you for the regular season, I should say, because I think the Cavs full season are the second-best team in the NBA, without a doubt. So, I mean, it, it's a real potential trade, and Daryl Morey's kind of hinted at with some of his Twitter feeds that he'd be willing to or like that he was kind of had moves in the progress or moves in progress and that he was willing to to trade a few few assets possibly so we'll see the uh, next team that was kind of listed in this report was the Cavs I think that was obvious the Cavs are always going to be linked to stars being traded because they need to keep up with the Warriors in this arms race and why not take a one-year rental? I, I, if I were them, they've been rumored to try to trade Love for this. I can see why. I like In my last podcast, I talked about how Love kind of struggled in the finals. He didn't really do his part for all five games, and that kind of led to them being beaten five games. But if you can keep the core of Love, Kyrie, and LeBron together and get Paul George, I would do that deal then you're kind of getting close to the 4v4. But I don't know how you pull off that deal. I don't know if you get to trade Thompson. and uh, The Cavs don't got very many assets. They just don't. They have a lot of their picks are already traded away. They can't trade very many picks after this. It's it's just not looking good. And we'll kind of hint at it later with the Cavaliers GM's uh, problems going on that they might not be willing to do that move right now at all by any means. As for the next team, it's the Lakers, and they have obvious, obvious interest. Paul George wants to go there, from the sounds of it. So they could trade for him for one year early and get his bird rights and give him a big deal and sign him for the next five years and guarantee he's there for a while. But also, I don't think they do it if they don't have to... I don't think they do it if... They have to give up a lot of assets because you know he's going to probably come there in 2018. So if I'm the Lakers, and the deal that we'll talk about later with D'Angelo Russell, they got the 27, I believe. I mean, the offer I would do, I tell the Pacers right now, I say, we'll give you the 27, 28, Clarkson, and Dang. And I go, and I tell the Pacers, I'm like, we know he's going to come here. We're not going to overpay to get him here for a one-year rental. Or... For, for, for a one-year rental where we know we can get them anyways, we can keep our assets if we need them. But if you want, we'll give you two first-rounders, late ones, and we'll give you Clarkson, who might be overpriced right now, but he's got potential, and you'll probably do well on your team when you don't have much talent at the moment, and you can maybe thrive as a kind of a, not like a star role, but an offensive role where he's getting priority and a primary role on the team. And I go, well, you'll be taking Deng's contract, but really, you guys are going to be competing right now. You guys can take the contract. We're giving you two first-round picks and uh, potentially a good young player with it. And, I mean, like, what what better can you get? I mean, if those uh, Clippers or Rockets or Cavs offer a better deal, then take it. But we're not worried right now. We're not going to give it too much. I wouldn't want to give up Julius Randle. I can see why they would want to or why the Lakers would consider it. But I kind of like the potential of having him there. I think he's still in our building piece, and if you strike out on – Having gained two stars in 2018, he's still a good player and could help the team in the long run for sure. And his agent's the same as Paul George. And I mean, the report was that Russell Randall and Paul George is the same agent, so he wanted them to keep them together. Well, that's not going to happen anymore, but I still think having at least one of them could help the Paul George scenario for sure. Some other teams rumored, like Celtics, are obviously going to be rumored with any big name too because they got all the assets. I don't think, based on the way Ainge did the Markel Holtz trade, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I don't think that the right move is to give up those assets you just got for Paul George. Because it just it just seems to me like they're building assets and they're not going to they're not going to give them unless they win the trade like Ainge is the guy that needs to win the trade. And I respect that. you got to respect that. Because, I mean, that's the way. If I, if I were to run a team, I would want to do that too. You can take some risk. 
But why take a risk when you can flat out win the trade? And you can win every time you know you can. And hold out until Tulsa. I mean, you got all these assets. He's going to have plenty of chances to hit on players. So why trade him for a one-year rental of Paul George when you can maybe get two Paul Georges in the future or three? I mean, like, if, if the trade is, I would probably trade the, especially now, now that the Nets got D'Lo, mm, I'd maybe trade the 2018 Brooklyn Nets pick for, or and, Marcus Smart maybe for Paul George if they take that that's not a bad deal for the Pacers because you're at least getting a nice pick for him and a nice solid young player but it's not great uh, the Raptors were also linked to the to the Pacers here in this trade because they want to try to pair DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and kind of keep Lowry around by guaranteeing them we got another player in Paul George so it's not a bad deal I don't know how they're going to pull it off they don't necessarily have a lot of assets either I mean, they got some picks, and they got a few young guys. No one really special I consider good on the team, so they could maybe like pack a few young guys to the Pacers if they want to take the risk. They can, but besides that, I think that it they really can't pull it off, and they're gonna have to just rely on trying to convince Kyle Lowry to stay in that. We'll get it, we'll get it figured out because it's just it's not worth doing a one-year rental and trading away all your assets if you don't have very many for a one-year rental. And again, this all comes back to Paul George just being a big, just a, just a big dick to the Pacers, screwing them over. But there's no biggie, no biggie for him. I guess he don't care. He's going to Los Angeles. He's getting paid, and I guess he he's earned it because he's what he's done for them. But still, that's just tough to do. The uh, other team, this is one of my scenarios. I like I like the the Blazers. I think that they could pull off a similar deal to kind of what the Lakers I had them offering, and they could. I mean, like. C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard have kind of said that they want to play with Paul George and I think he would fit the team. And I like the combination of a Lillard, McCollum, Paul George, Joseph Nurkic, like kind of going ahead. And maybe you could convince him to stay out there. Maybe. I mean, who knows? I just think the combo fits well. I just think they work well together. It's going to be, I mean, Paul George is a good defensive player, so you could kind of cover a little a good wing player. And it's, just, it's good spacing, and Nurkic passes well. And I think it just, it just fits. That team would be fun. And they got the cap to make the move. I mean, if I'm the, if I am the uh, Blazers, I offer two first-round picks this year. And I say you take Evan Turner and Alan Kraft. Now, Evan Turner, that's kind of a salary dump, kind of similar to Dane. Well, I think he's a better player than Dane. He can offer more. And I also give him Crab, who's got a bigger salary, but he's got kind of like similar to Clarkson, too. It's kind of a similar deal. And I go, well, Turner can offer a lot to the team still. And Crab, he's got potential. The bigger role, you never know. He might take off more. He did. His numbers were almost exactly the same as last year's for much of the year. But the team has also had more people on the team, so maybe if he's on a higher role, he could really become his own player kind of take that step forward, which I think would be fun to see. Uh, if that trade went down, I think it'd be kind of fun. I would love to see what the Blazers could do. Last year, I'll admit it, they were my sleeper pick last year. I had them finishing second in the West. As, it, was, it was like a sleeper pick that I did for uh, or something else, and it backfired big time. They didn't really show up, so that one kind of hurt me. But I think it'd be a fun team. I'd love to see it. Next up is we got Jimmy Butler. Now, there's only, been real, there's only been two teams really rumored to go after him, and they are the Celtics and the Cavaliers. Uh, the rumor is that the Celtics, you know, like they've been kind of tied to him all, so they've been going after him some. And then the other rumor is that the Cavs were going after him and that LeBron and Kyrie kind of talked to Butler, and now Butler is kind of trying to force him to trade to the Cavs. There hasn't been a ton on this rumor, so I don't know how factual it is, but... It's kind of an interesting rumor, and I would love Butler on the Cavs. I kind of think he's almost a better fit because he lets Kyrie and LeBron do their thing. He doesn't necessarily need to be a ball-dominant wing player, but he also brings a good defensive game. He's just a good overall player on a cheap contract, but uh, I don't know how they pull it off. I think the Celts have the, are the front runners for that one if they do. The rumor was that the Cavs 
had talked to the Suns who were willing to give up the fourth overall pick for Kevin Love. And then the Cavs are trying to flip that for one of these guys. So we'll see. Maybe, I mean, with the new ownership, you never know what the Cavs are going to do right now. I'll talk about that later, but we'll uh, move on from Butler. There's, I mean, there's not a ton on Butler. There's not a lot of traction from what I've seen. The last guy is Chris Hasselzingas. He was, again, he was rumored to be traded earlier in the year, and again, it's popped up again. And Phil Jackson, uh, I don't know what's going Too many triangles in his head that he's gone bonkers or what, but he needs to figure this, this shit out. I mean, he, why would you trade Porzingis? I mean, like, okay, if you get a good return, I get it. I totally understand. If you get, like, a killer return, but it, it's still, it's tough. With the draft picks, you never know. I mean, the rumor is that they're looking at Trey Porzingis and not they're looking at Laurie Markkanen, a power forward out of Arizona, who's kind of like similar skill set to Porzingis. Probably even a little bit worse in terms of what he's got. They're both solid shooters. I think Porzingis almost offers more on his overall game. And Blake Murphy on Twitter, he said it best. Uh, trading Kristaps and drafting Markkanen is like missing on Giannis drafting Bruno. It's, why would you trade... Why would you try to replace Kristaps with Mark Kanan when you already got, like, the potential superstar piece here? It just doesn't make sense at all. I, like, I can see the Net or the Lakers are trading D'Lo for a different reason I'll talk about later. But trading Kristaps and then trying to, like, replace him in this draft, it just doesn't seem logical when you already got that piece and you know what he can do. I mean, you know he can be a good player. And I, I don't know. It just – I can see trading Melo. I can see trading a few other people, but trading Kristaps just – not smart. Part of this might be there's apparently a rift, kind of, maybe not a rift, but in the front office, they still haven't talked to Chris Sass before he walked out on the exit interview. So they might kind of just not be getting along. They don't like his attitude and they want to get rid of him, but still. The guy's a heck of a player. I don't know if he's got the little me, me, star attitude or what, but still, he's a player you can build around him. He would make a lot of things better. The uh, Knicks apparently offered the Suns uh, Christophs, they wanted the four and Booker, which I, it's a crazy bad trade because I think Booker and Christophs are very close in skills, like in terms of skill. And then you also want the fourth overall pick. I don't think that's happening. And for the Suns to trade a franchise player like that, that's just it, it's just it won't happen. I mean, I'd be shocked if it did. Now for the other rumor was the Celtics again. There's another team like I me. Mean, if, if you can give them the the three and uh, future one, like the protected Lakers pick or the 2018 Brooklyn pick, uh, that's a good deal. And maybe throwing like a Marcus Smart type player or Terry Rozier and try to pull that off, that's a good deal for the Celtics. Uh, I, I think any deal the next kid isn't going to be good for them. I'll be shocked. Hey, if they get that Suns deal, that's a good deal for them. But I'll be shocked if they get a good deal for them. And I think any team that gets Chris Stops would be good. I would love to see Chris Stops on like a. On a T walls or a Bucks, you start painting some unicorns together. That'd be kind of crazy. I think a Giannis KP combo, Cat uh, and KP. Oh, that'd be a disgusting combo that I would want to see in the NBA. I mean, I guess I would want to see it, but I feel bad for the other teams. Warriors better watch out. KP and Giannis would be coming for them for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I I just don't know what Phil Jackson's thinking. I feel like I could run the front office better than him, and I don't have any experience doing it. He's just he's. It's been a dumpster fire in the next front office, which apparently might be the the actual theme of the offseason, as I'll talk about later. Next up is the uh, the actual number one trade. So the first overall pick, uh, Markel, what's presumed to be Markel Foltz, was pretty much traded. The Celtics had number one overall pick, and they traded to the 76ers for what is the number three pick. The Los Angeles Lakers 2018 pick protected protected picks two through five, and the Sacramento or and then if it doesn't get conveyed, then it goes on to the 2019 Kings pick unprotected. Now a lot of people kind of have kind of shat on this deal, and I'm not on that bandwagon. I actually think it was a good deal for the uh, for the Celtics and for a few reasons. I'm not solo Marco Fultz. I've always I've been against what his record was at Washington. I think the number one overall pick should at least get to a 500 on the team. 
And I hate how people kind of trash on Romar when I think he's actually a... And they kind of like use him as a scapegoat for folds. But I don't think that's necessarily true. And I... I he has the tools. I'll admit that. He, he does have a skill set that looks like he could be a star player. And I think with the right team, he's number one overall pick. Like, I think on the Celtics, he would be a bad number one overall pick because you can let him develop. He doesn't need to be that leader. And I think that's part of it. I think he doesn't got that leadership skill set. I think some guys like Darren Fox, Alonzo Ball, they got that leadership skill set. They re they're ready to carry a team. I don't know about faults. And I think on a Celtics team, he wouldn't need to be the leader, which could kind of make a skill set better. On the Sixers, I don't know. That team's super young. They're, they they need to find leaders. I don't think Embiid's a leader. I haven't seen what Simmons does yet. Uh, from what I've heard, I don't think he's going to be a good leader. Uh, so Reach, he's kind of a dark gross leader, but they need to find some veteran presence in that locker room for them to thrive and really make those players better. Uh, why, why I like it that Celtics could, besides that I'm not a big fan of Fultz, is the reports are that they didn't plan on taking Fultz number one. And if, or they didn't like him as the best overall player. So if you're planning on taking someone else when the presumed pick is Fultz, why not trade down and get a little more while you can? You know what I mean? It's, I think it's only a good deal for them when they get more than if they would just pick someone else instead. They're going to pick Josh Jackson or Lonzo Ball number one. Trade down. You might as well because the team who you tr who trades up to number one is going to be taking fault. And apparently, uh, it's pretty much a guarantee because I think Fultz said you'd only work out with the Sixers if they guaranteed they'd take him with the first pick if they did the trade. Which they did, so I think it's a lock. So, I mean, you might as well trade down and get your guy and get some more assets to potentially trade in the future and get like a, hey, they signed Gordon Hayward in the free agency and and they end up trading for Butler or Paul George. They got a legit team, and they might still have assets because they got so many of them still piled up, which is crazy to think. But they have so many assets still, and they just keep getting more and more. And I mean, I like the deal too because it seems like each year they're going to have a top pick, even while contending, just because – you get a top pick, trade it down a little bit, trade it for something else, trade an aging star for a top pick. It just seems like Ainge knows what he's doing. And, I mean, I liked it when they traded those picks to Brooklyn. I know a lot of people weren't. I mean, I didn't like. I didn't think they'd become lottery picks. But I thought it was time to start rebuilding, and I'm glad they did. And I'm sure everyone else in the Celtics organization and fan base is not glad that they did. So the next topic is a uh, organization and fan base that uh, are at a crossroads right now. The Cleveland Cavaliers. So Dan Gilbert let David Griffin go. He's their uh, GM for the past three years. Made a lot of moves. Did a lot of things. Won them a championship. Got them to three finals. And was very well liked by the players. And Dan Gilbert just let him go. Apparently... This is because there was a little direction difference in how they viewed which way to go. Which I don't know how you can view, have different views on which way to go when you're Cavs and knowing you should be contend for a championship and contend for a championship. Those should be the two views and they shouldn't differ. But he somehow let him go and instead he's looking at his friend Chauncey Billups. I mean, I don't know what Billups is going to be like as a GM if he gets a job. He seems, I've always liked him, I've always thought he was a smart player. I thought he got the job done when he played. I mean, he just seemed like a leader, and maybe he can. He pull off. He seems like a smart analyst. So we'll see. But I still think letting David Griffin go wasn't the smart move either, just because. Just if he had different direction views. I mean, like his contract was up, and apparently Dan Gilbert views GMs as just another employee. So he, they're kind of using one of the lowest paid positions in the NBA for him, like relative. I think Griffin made two million, which is like ranked like. 28th, I think, of the GMs, which is kind of crazy for a team like the Cavs caliber. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, there's there's a lot of rumors going on. Apparently, LeBron didn't know anything about it, which is another thing that baffles me because the player like LeBron, he needs to be in on everything. I mean, I'm not saying it from LeBron's personal standpoint, but because he's that good, you got to let him know about the stuff. I feel like MJ in his time, the Bulls weren't going to make a move without letting MJ know. And they might. Tell him, like, we're going to make the move no matter what you think, but we won't let you know. I just think it's bad when LeBron can opt out next year and you're like, oh, don't worry about it. We're making moves. We'll tell you when it happens. Like, that just 
It doesn't look good. I mean, LeBron tweeted out at David Griffin saying, we did it. We won a ring. Don't forget about it. I don't care what anyone said about you. You've been a great GM, stuff like that. So you're only making it worse for the potential for him to go to L.A. in 2018, which is a very real possibility now. And not something I'm a fan of because I'm a big LeBron fan, and I hate when he gets shit on, and he's going to get shit on if he goes to L.A. If he leaves Cleveland again. So we'll see if they go to John. If they go after Chauncey or what. The one thing I hate about the situation the most is Gilbert kind of screwed over David Griffin. He, Griffin was interviewing for Orlando, Milwaukee, and I think Atlanta. And, I mean, Gilbert kind of kept him in the roast in Cleveland, and I don't know if he kept him in contract talks or what, but he kept him here, and now Gilbert lets him go, and those teams all filled their positions. I mean, like, Milwaukee just filled theirs, like, two days ago. Or a day ago. And it could have been Griffin's had he been, like, over earlier. So, not a fan of how Gilbert handled the situation. My dark horse theory is, I, I've seen this, too, in other places, is that Gilbert's not willing to spend the money anymore, not to go over the luxury tax, etc. And that he had that ring, and that he's ready to maybe not rebuild, but not spend as much, and let LeBron go. Because he knows if you have LeBron, you're going to be spending money to win. Because he'll always be up there contending no matter what your team comp is. So my theory is he's just he's ready to move on. He got that ring. He's ready to make money but not spend it. So we'll see. We'll see how it pays off. I kind of hope it's not like that because Cavs make NBA fun. But we'll have to see. It's It was a crazy kind of night last night when more and more stuff came out. And you don't know what to believe. I mean, there was... There was people who, I don't know, like Skip Bayless tweeted that he thinks that LeBron was in on it. Bill Simmons tweeted that he thinks there's got to be more behind the scenes than what went on. David Griffin didn't, when he kind of did his message about his legal, or about leaving, he didn't call anyone out. He just said that they had different directions that they viewed they should go, which is kind of something else. I know people are saying, too, that he was, he was elbow deep in trades for Paul George and Jimmy Butler. So I don't know if those are done now and off the table. And now the rumor is that Kyrie is on the block. So it just seems like Griffin wanted to win and Gilbert was starting to be on the rebuild train. Which, I don't know, it's just not smart. You're not keeping LeBron if you're going on like a small rebuild train. If you're trying to retool even, you're going to keep LeBron. He's going to be heading to warmer weather, better endorsement deals, and a contending team. Because he wants to win. He wants to beat the Warriors bad. You can tell. Uh, so, I mean, that's my take on it. I think we'll see. It, it'll take some time to kind of figure out what really went down behind the scenes here. I'm sure it'll come out eventually, but you'll be able to tell. If, based on the Cavs moves this offseason, you'll be able to see. If they don't go after Korver, if they don't go after some veterans, you'll know. You'll know. The next topic's just two little minor... Uh, Minor takes here that apparently there was a report that Kyle Lowry had no intention of signing with the Raptors. Uh, I forgot who tweeted it out, but that's what he said. And Kyle Lowry then tweeted saying that you shouldn't believe everything you hear. I personally think that there's Lowry does have intentions to sign with the Raptors, but he's going to keep his options open. Because the rumor is he's kind of sick of the East and they're going against LeBron, etc. I don't know why you want to go to the West then, but if you should keep his options open because the the Raptors they just they had the talent, but I don't I don't want to blame Dwayne Casey either. But they just they 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 play a lot of ISO ball enough to make me stutter, I guess. But uh, they just seem to to be off. They don't play cohesively. So I mean, if he wants to try test his luck, and I mean Philly's off the table now. It seems like if they trade for folds. If the Spurs offer him or he replaces Chris Paul in Los Angeles or the Rockets, if they're making moves to potentially go after Lowry, I mean, uh, it could be a fun offseason for him too. I'd test the waters for sure, no doubt. Might as well. And if not, you can always go back to the Raptors because I'm sure they'll take you back with open arms. The other one is Paul Gasol. Now, apparently, he opted out because the Spurs and him want to work together to sign long term. I call bullshit on the Spurs. They are not re-signing him long-term. They are happy he opted out because, I mean, maybe we'll sign him long-term to a minimum deal for four years because 
Yep, so now we got cast space. I can go after CP3, Kyle Lowry, maybe even make a trade for Paul George because Paul George, Kawhi, combo on the, outs, or on the wings would be deadly. They can make moves now. And they're not going to resign Paul Gasol anywhere near $16 million a year, or $16 million a year that he was at this year. And right now I think they're sitting at, with Paul Gasol the books, they'll be sitting at like a roughly a, 24 million, 25 million cap space. I mean, if they make another move, maybe trade a Danny Green, trade a David Lear, Kyle Anderson, maybe something like that, and make some moves. Or I mean, hey, maybe they got to do a lineup for Ultra, so that's kind of different. But they could really, they could sign a few guys and make a make a potent team. I would love to see a like a lot of Marcus or maybe not Ultra, but a, a Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul team if, if they could pull that off. Because I know Pop can make any big guy good, so you sign anyone in on the or for Spurs, he's gonna be good with those guys. So I, I'm Spurs are my team to watch in the offseason for sure. I want to see what they do. I want to see what they do with that cap, and hopefully it's not just re-sign Gasol because they can really give him another piece, make a new big three potentially with Aldridge, Kawhi, and maybe another young guy or Chris Paul. I mean. I'd be happy to see him there too. I think he'd thrive in that system for sure. It'd be kind of interesting to see what they do with Tony Parker then and Deontay Murray. But uh, I'd, I would love to see the Spurs make a big move because I think they're a team that has the best chance, best chance to beat the Warriors in the future. Now my last topic of the podcast here is, actually check that, it's not my last topic, but D'Angelo Russell trade is the next one. I totally forgot I had to add that into the podcast because that just happened, man. Crazy news. So, the Lakers traded D'Angelo Russell for Timothy, or not for, with Timothy Mozgov for Brooke Lopez in the 27th. Now, what does that mean for the Lakers? I don't know. Uh, it means they're trying to make room for 2018 for, for two max free agents. they got to still... Get rid of some people, some contracts, but they can. They're going to be relatively close now, so I don't know if it means LeBron and PG or what. But they need to make a move, and they got the options to now. Now, do I like the trade? Uh, I'm 50. It, uh, from the looks of it, they don't have intentions to sign Brooke Lopez long term. So you're trading D'Angelo Russell for a one year rental, Brooke Lopez the 27, and dumping Mozgov. It's not a terrible deal, but Russell has showed some potential to be a pretty solid ball player. So, it, it, it just, it seems risky. It does seem very risky. You're really banking on that frequency, and maybe if you strike out, you can still sign Brooke Lopez, but it just it just seems super risky to go after Brooke or to go after not to go after but to dump Mozgov by trading away D'Angelo Russell who has been who's been kind of the future of your team. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they can do. I think that somehow they can pull off Paul George, LeBron, you got Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and if you can somehow keep Brooke Lopez, that's a that's a pretty good team, especially if those players develop. I think that team would do well. They they would just they'd work well together. It's just a good combo, a good team combo in my opinion. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, apparently, Magic was offering Russell to all the lottery teams, and no one wanted to trade their picks for Russell. So I don't know if there's something else behind the scenes. I mean, there's been reports that he's been immature, hasn't been willing to work, that they can't dumb down their defense enough for him. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the Lakers aren't big fans of him as what everyone else is on him, and maybe he's just not good of a player. I think that's a good deal for the Nets. When you don't have assets from a bad trade 50 years ago, you're going to have to make your own assets. And taking on contracts, taking on bad salaries, and getting young players and picks, why not? Russell's a perfect uh, low-risk, high-reward player for them. I mean, if he if he pan, doesn't pan out, what do you lose? An expiring Brooke Lopez in the really late first? No biggie. He pans out. You got your star player, and all you took on was Timothy Mozgov and his 54 million contract. But that's the price you pay for 
getting a player like that. And I mean, it's after my first reaction was like, ooh, that's not a good trade. I'm kind of liking a little bit more after I look at it up. It, it just seems like they'll, you're, you're giving your team a chance to grow with Brooke, with Brooke Lopez, another veteran presence. It kind of opens up some of the other guys. You're not going to have that point guard competition with Lonzo Ball and Russell. And then you're not having Russell guard guys, uh, guard guys who are bigger than him outside the perimeter when he's been kind of shaking in defense. And if the reports are true and he's kind of a bad teammate, then hey, you got rid of him too. So we'll see. After looking at it, it's not a bad trade. But I will say that this is why I love the offseason. Stuff like this comes out of nowhere. I was talking to some, some of my buddies and also, bam, whatever we were talking about got put to the back burner because this was the hot topic and it was pretty crazy debating it but I, I thought it was fun so my final topic now my actual final topic is the mock lottery draft that I have here uh, I love doing love focusing on drafts all the different hits and I'm just gonna do my little mock lottery here uh, with some small explanations before the draft here and hopefully hopefully I end up doing pretty good so my first pick is Mark Fultz, obvious choice. It's the rumor he's probably going there. It makes sense. They need a point guard. He's the projected top point guard, projected future, and their team's looking pretty good, pretty good and young. Uh, it'll be fun to see what they do with these players, and they might end up being good when the Warriors and Cavs start falling. Next pick is the Lakers. I've been taking Lonzo Ball, especially after this trade. It looks like it's Lonzo Ball. He seems like the perfect Laker to me because he wants to be there. He's got that kind of – he doesn't shy away from the bright lights. And I love Ball. I think he's going to be the best of the point guards in the draft. He just makes his team better. And I think he has that, that winning mentality. He knows what to do to make his team better. He knows how to make his teammates better. He just knows how to win. My third pick, I was kind of back and forth on this. Is it Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum? And the rumor is Jackson hasn't worked out with the Celtics yet because – he wants them to guarantee that they'll take him with the third pick if he's there and that they're not trading out of it. So the fact that he hasn't worked out and they haven't given that guarantee, I have a feeling it's Jason Tatum. The rumor is that the other rumor is Ainge thinks Jason Tatum's the next uh, Paul Pierce. So if so, I mean, it, it makes sense to me that they would, they'd be taking him there. So like I said, I think at three, so let's take Jason Tatum. Now, this pick is my first kind of pick that's kind of iffy. Uh, I'm taking a risk on this one. I have the Suns taking Jonathan Isaac. I don't know how strict teams are with their promises. So I think the Suns didn't expect Josh Jackson to fall to four. But if he does, I think they would normally take him. But the rumor is, I'm using all these rumors kind of basing it off kind of my, my picks that Jonathan Isaac worked out with the Sun, and directly after that workout, he canceled all workouts with any teams below the four, which kind of usually means there was, he had a promise for a top four team. So, that being said, I'm assuming the Suns gave him promise. Now, I don't know how strict they are on those promises, but my guess is the Suns have interest in them, and if they continue that promise and they take him, they take him. If they take Josh Jackson, I wouldn't be... I'd feel bad for Isaac if he if they did give him promise, but Jackson's probably a better prospect and he could he fall that far. Which is kind of surprising at four, but I'm gonna have him taking Isaac. Now that comes up with number five with the Kings. Do they take Jackson now that he fell? No, I, I think they still take Darren Fox. Apparently they're in love with him. They're willing to do anything to get him. They're rumored to possibly trade up one pick of the ten and five to get the four from the Suns to take him. But the Suns they know the Suns don't have interest in Fox, and Fox doesn't have interest playing in Phoenix. So apparently the Kings are taking Fox, and that's who I got them going there. And then at six, the Magic, they're freaking happy as can be. Josh Jackson, easy pick. He falls to them. They're going to take him. It's another wing player of the future, and maybe someone that can finally turn that franchise around and get them winning. Have a good rookie season, maybe. We'll see. Uh, number seven. I debated this one. Lori Markkanen makes sense here. I have a feeling he's going to fall a little bit in the draft. Uh, I can't tell you why. I don't know. I, I just have a feeling that teams are going to 
kind of look at his other deficiencies and not pick him because he, he's a great shooter, a great offense player, just not very good defensively. And a player that's been rising with kind of the same skill set except better defensively and better overall is Zach Collins. And I think he'd kind of fit on the walls as a hybrid forward center for the walls that can play. I mean, Cat, Gorgie, Diang, and Collins are all kind of would be hybrid forward centers. I think it can give them a solid rotation to kind of mix around. So I've been taking Zach Collins there at seven. Uh, number eight, I was kind of all over the place in this one. Uh, I heard the Knicks had, had interest in Frank Nitalakina from France and that they brought in Malik Monk as well. But I've been taking Dennis Smith Jr. I think they'll take that point guard. They've been kind of looking for a point guard. I, I think they'll let Rose possibly walk. And they'll take the point guard because that's some junior probably be the best point guard in a few other drafts. But he's just stuck behind three other really good prospects at point guard. And he's still a solid player. I mean, you look at his rookie, or not his rookie, especially when you're at NC State. He played really well. He, he did really well there. And I still think he'd be a solid pick at the number eight spot for the Knicks. Then I'm left at the Mavericks. And I've been taking Frank Nitalakina. I believe that's how you pronounce it, from France. And... I mean, like the rumor is he's in love with the Dallas. Dallas is in love with him. I think he fits pretty solid there. He, I don't think he'll necessarily be a star player, but he's going to be a player that helps the team win. And I think he fits well there. And I think I just think it fits a match made in heaven for both. Both know how to just like Frank knows how to do the things to help you win. And the Mavericks can help him because they they've dealt with a lot of foreign players. They can help him with his move to the United States and development as a whole. At 10, uh, it was tough. I, I don't know what to take on this one. I mean, Malik Monk is still on the board for me. But they have Buddy Heald there. The Kings have found me centers, so I've been going Rory Markkanen to kind of to kind of stretch the floor with their bigs and everyone. I, I think he fits them. He, he could be a nice role player for them. I mean, I think at best he'll be a role player in the league because maybe like a good role player. I've seen being a Ryan Anderson type player. Someone who offers shooting and not much else. So I, I I think he'll be a good fit for them there at 10. And I think he can help the Willie Cauley Steins, the Scal Abiziers, and the uh, George Papianis's in the future. And kind of open up the offense for De'Aaron Fox, too. At number 11, I have the Hornets taking Donovan Mitchell. He's been kind of rising up the boards. A lot of people like this guy. I haven't seen a ton of him yet, so I, I don't want to comment, but he seems like he's a high riser and someone that might get picked somewhat high. I don't think he falls past 12. I really don't think he does. And I think the Hornets kind of take him kind of high as being a replacement kind of hybrid point guard type player. Kind of the, kind of what they lacked with Jeremy Lin being gone this year. Somebody who can come in can play with Kemba, and they can also play point when Kemba leaves or goes to the bench. So I think he goes there. I thought Malik Monk here, possibly. But, I don't know. I, I mean, I could see him taking Monk, for sure. I could really see him doing it, but I think Mitchell kind of rises, and they, and, they, and they like what they see from So, and at 12, the Pistons, I had the Pistons taking Malik Monk. Or Malik Monk. I think Van Gundy loves shooting. Monk's a shooter. I think he falls some because of, you're not sure what he's going to bring on defense. It sounds like he's going to be a perfect guy to guard the ones on defense. And that means your point guard's got to guard the twos. So, I think he's going to fall based on his defense and the fact that people aren't sure what he's going to do besides shooting. So, I, I can see him falling to the 12 range here, which isn't a bad pick. I think it's a good pick for the Pistons. You're still getting a guy who could potentially be a 20-point scorer, a high-volume scorer, but he's just not the – just doesn't seem to be the all-around two-guard you want for the team. On 13, I've been up and down on this one. I, I don't know if they want to take guard here or not. I, I thought about maybe the, they would take Luke Kennard maybe, but they got quite a few guards, young guards. They have some wing players, especially if they keep the Roos or Daniel Gallinari. So I'm like, I, I'll give them John Collins because he, he performed really well at Wake Forest here his, his sophomore year. I'm not necessarily high on him, but I think he's still a good prospect. And I think he could pair well with Jokic. And I think that he would he'd he'd be a solid just a solid prospect from there. I think his best big 
on the table for them. I don't think they reach on like a specialty guy like TJ Leaf or something here. I don't think they take a Justin Patton because Patton or Jared Allen because I don't think they fit well with Jokic, but we'll see. I mean, I think Collins is the best fit for them there at this position. And then at 14, the last lottery pick with Miami Heat, I've been taking Justin Jackson. Now, Luke Kenner could be here. You could take a few guys here. I can't consider TJ Leaf because I think Leaf could fit well with, uh, with what the Heat have. Especially with a with if you have a Hassan Whiteside center, having a stretch four could really open it up for him, and you don't need another rebounder, and you don't need another post defender because Whiteside can do it all down there by himself. But I went with Justin Jackson because I think he fits what Miami does and their type of player. He just has that great. He, he's he's got that swagger to him. He's got that confidence to him that Miami always seems to have. He's kind of built his way up through hard work. He, three years at UNC, he got better each year, got a bigger role each year. He's had hype with him, and he's always been calm. Just won a championship. I think he fits Miami's, their, what's it, their, uh, their culture. I think he fits their culture. And I, I think they like that pick. They could go for a, for another two guard to fit outside, but I think they go for that wing player, someone like uh, who can pair well with the Winslow, with the Waiters. I, I just I, I like the combination that they could have if, if Jackson performs way too in uh, at UNC. He seems like a solid player, can do a little bit of everything, and just fits that, that whole team. It seems like everyone there, like you like the James Johnsons, the Justin Winslows, the Whitesides, the Dragics, they uh, they all kind of do a little bit of everything, and they're not necessarily star players, but they get the job done. And I like what he does. I I, I think he fits there with that early for that need within the heat. So that's my uh, mock draft. It goes false ball, Tatum, Isaac, Fox, Jackson, Zach Collins, Smith Jr., Frank from France, Mark Kanan, Mitchell, Monk, John Collins, and Justin Jackson. So we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of confident in some of those picks. I, I think it could be a sneaky good mock draft, but the way the strats have been looking, I could be totally off, and I wouldn't be shocked. So we'll see. But uh, I hope you enjoyed the second podcast of Joe Rogue Sports. Uh, wherever this is, you can like leave a like, leave a comment, let me know. Give me some topics to talk about, anything that you consider interesting. I talk a lot of sports, so it was a very NBA-focused podcast. That's because there's a lot of news, and it's really heating up. Later in the week, I'll probably release kind of a more general one about different topics within the sports world. Follow me on Twitter, at Joe Rogue Sports. Uh, Facebook fan page, Joe Rogue Sports, and email joerogsports at gmail.com and uh, hope you enjoyed thank you very much